I think that it's worth saying as I begin that the challenging subjects that God's word deals with is for our good to build us up. Because the challenging issues we've been touching on relationships, marriage, singleness, divorce, sexuality, etc., etc., these are challenging issues. They're challenging because they're important. We feel, we feel strongly about them because they are important. And we can avoid difficult subjects, but then we miss out on the health and goodness that comes from grappling with these subjects. God is good, and he wants your best. That's why he's teaching us through his word and so many real issues in our lives. So if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. We're on to chapter 8 now. And the title of the uh, chapter is Concerning Food Sacrificed to Idols. You'll be pleased to know, won't you? You were hoping you'd come to church this morning and you'd hear a, a, a talk on food sacrificed to idols. And the good th- God's Word deals with issues that maybe we weren't thinking about, but when you look into it, you realize, ah, this has great relevance to me, and it's so important that we study all of God's Word so that we can touch on all the facets of our lives. And there's a lot, there's a lot to our lives that God wants to deal with. That's why it's so important. And I do hope that you do read this Bible on your own. I do hope that stuff I'm... I, you, may, you may be a new Christian, so you may not have read some of this stuff. But I do hope in your own time, and it's good to get a study Bible as well. The NIV study Bible is very good. The ESV study Bible is very good. They've got good notes in them. Uh, you can use the blog, which I produce, which will get to more detail for the stuff for this week. Hopefully that you'll find that helpful as well. There's lots of resources, but do read the, book, read the Bible on your own because you'll realize this is God's word and it's talking, God wants to talk to you about different subjects. And the Holy Spirit wants to teach us all. And um, I'm going to talk on this, this chapter this morning. So Lord, I pray for us this morning. Thank you that you do want what's best for us. Thank you, as Susie was sharing, that our story from beginning to eternity is already in your, in, in your, in, in your mind's eye. That the eternity of our existence with you is even in your mind's eye now. That you are over all things and even history itself from beginning to eternity future is something that is something you completely know about and is in, under your control. Thank you, nothing surprises you. Thank you that our sin and our failures are no surprise to you. And thank you that you want us to grow and to develop this morning. So Holy Spirit, please do talk to us and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, let's, I'm going to sort of go through this section by section. I'm not going to be able to touch on every phrase because there's a lot to it. But the title today is Love Builds Up. What does love do? In the balcony, what does love do? Build up, yeah. Build up. And that's very, it's very simple, really. That's the Christian life. Building people up. 
Now that can be misunderstood as meaning always making everybody feel good about themselves and making them happy about everything, which means you don't talk about difficult subjects. Anybody who has any relationship knows you have to bring challenging things to people because love builds up. And sometimes that means tearing down. Sometimes that means confrontation. Sometimes you need, you need to have a bit of a, you know, a, a good, solid conversation with someone about difficult subjects. Love is prepared to have confrontation. I don't like confrontation any more than you do. Love builds up. And we, and, and we can see in the Corinthian church that some of them were arrogant, prideful, they, were, they thought they were very mature and strong and they were behaving around the idea of food sacrificed to idols that was cause, causing weaker Christians to fall into sin. Because we've got to remember that in the culture, worshipping idols, false gods of various kinds, many temples in Corinth to different gods and that that was the background they were coming out of. You had Jewish Christians from a Jewish background. You had what we call Gentile Christians, that from, that's generally speaking non-Christian, non-Jewish backgrounds, coming together and there was going to be some conflict about how you live. There was going to be some, how do we, how do we deal with dif different aspects of our lives? And the New Testament is a, a lot of the time working out that conflict of how we live as Christians from different backgrounds. And we've got to love each other and be patient with each other because there are going to be differences of opinion on certain aspects of the Christian life. Particularly this idolatry thing, that, that those who, there were many who thought it was okay to continue going to idol temples, continue eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols, and the way they were doing it was causing weaker Christians to fall back into idol worship. You can see that, can't you? If you saw a mature Christian whom you respected going to a temple involved in worship of a false god, if you were a weak Christian and you saw them, you would think, ah, oh, it's okay then, Jesus plus this God is okay. And we live in a culture like that, don't we? Jesus plus this God is okay. Jesus plus that God is okay. It's not okay. That's what Paul's going to be talking about. We are Christians. As Christians, we worship Jesus. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. We worship one God in three persons. That may offend some people, and, but, that, but that, you know, we've got to live with at peace with each other in this nation. And we're going through this journey, aren't we, at the moment, about how we deal with free speech and how we deal with differences. And we've got powers trying to push on Christians to give way and give up their freedom of speech and give up their courage on what they believe. You will feel that pressure wherever you are. And we've got to learn to live at be courageous, kind, and patient with each other inside and outside the church. And that's a journey we've got to go on as a nation. We've got to continue working on this. And the, um, many at Corinth were pulling their brothers and sisters back into 
idolatry. That's basically the point here. Don't do it. Don't do things that cause your brothers and sisters to fall into sin. Positively, do things that are going to help your brothers and sisters to grow in their faith. Love is two things. Love is don't do that that's going to trip them up, stumbling block, and love is do that that's going to help them. Our words, our behaviour on social media, we're not creating, we're not stirring up tensions, are we? We're not the kind of people that love arguments in public. We're not the sort of people that throw abuse out to people who don't agree with us. We're not the sort of people that have clickbait and create all kinds of nonsense around us, are we? We're the kind of people that love peace, that create peace, and in the church, we're building each other up by positively doing things and negatively avoiding doing things that are going to trip them up. So, my first point is this. Christians are builders. Turn to your neighbour and say, you're a builder. You may not be very good at a saw and a hammer. You may not have all the tools like Jason Byrne. You may not have all the hammers and the gadgets and the measures and the this, that and the other. But we're all builders. We're all called to build. Remember a few weeks ago, Raf spoke on the temple building with good materials, gold, silver, not wood, hay and stubble. About building up and how there's going to be judgment at the end of it and how you lived your life. We're going to be judged, guys, for the way we have used our gifts. Not a judgment for salvation, but a judgment of rewards, okay? If you're a, to become a Christian, you receive Jesus as your saviour. And then, as a Christian, you use your gifts to build others up and you will be rewarded for the way you use your gifts, okay? So, Christians are builders. Now, about, so, the, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 to 3. Now, about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge, while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. There's a lot in there, isn't there? Just in that little phrase there. But I want you to notice that point, that love builds up. Any true Christian builds up. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. God lives in you, if you're a Christian. If you've been born again, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit as a people. And God builds up. The Father is a good Father, and he nurtures us. So therefore, if you are a Christian, you will join him in that exercise of helping others to grow. And it's part of being a disciple of becoming less selfish, less self-centred, less me-centred, and slowly, by the help of the Holy Spirit, the help of other people, we become more and more other-centred, more and more focused on other people, more and more about serving them rather than focused on ourselves. Christians are builders. Let's just think a little bit about this food sacrifice to idols. Remember, so this is, this is what we know kind of what happens. We don't know entirely all that was happening, but this is something like this. There were priests, many priests, 
for representing many gods in Corinth. There were many temples representing many different gods. And a bit like shops, really. Lots of little shops around, okay, where you can get your uh, blessing, okay, from the priest within that shop, okay? And when you, if you were the priest, when you offered the meat, so imagine you were putting on a, a party. You would take your meat to the priest. The priest would burn some of the meat as worship toward the idol. The priest would have some of the meat for himself to eat and live on. And you, as the host of the party, would have that meat then for your occasion, whatever that occasion was. Knowing that you, are now, you now have the blessing of that idol, that, you know, superstitious, right? I now have good luck, I now have good fortune, I'm now going to have a, you know, it's going to be go well for me. My work's going to go well. I'm going to have good health. The kind of stuff that people want, right? People are still superstitious now, aren't they? Okay? And that's the sort of thing that was happening. And also, there were te these temples were places of social gatherings. So you would go there, and you would meet with people who were potential clients for your work. You would meet there, and you would gather and it would be a networking place and again in that setting as you went to that temple the priest would burn some of it and the priest would uh, eat some of it and the priest would give you within the temple some of it and there was another way that meat was also being used which was again the priest would, would burn some of it would eat some of it and would then give it to be sold in the marketplace so there are three ways it was being used in your own home as a host parties and gatherings, as in the marketplace you could buy this meat, and also within the temple itself, publicly, you could eat this meat. And the question was, can I eat this meat? Can I eat this meat? Because bear in mind, most of the meat in the marketplaces would have been offered to an idol. So you go to Sainsbury's, no kosher meat, so you're looking for you know, can I eat this as a Christian? It's been offered in worship. Can I attend these so, the, the public settings, these temple courts? Can I go in there? Can I eat the meat so as to maintain my network if I am a business person? So you can see not eating it would have meant hard to get meat. Not eating it would have meant an effect upon your business. You'd have, you'd have been slightly outside of things, if not ostracized. So it was a challenge. We'll be looking at it in a bit more detail over the next few weeks, couple of weeks, but you'll see that Paul says, can you eat the meat? Yes, you can. You can eat it as long as, as you'll see later on, as long as the vendor doesn't say to you and tell you this has been offered to an idol. And as long as if you go to someone's house, they don't say to you, oh, this has been offered to an idol. And then why is that? It's because you're thinking of the person that's selling it to you. You're thinking of the person who's offering it to you. Because if you, as a Christian, this person offers you, says, this meat's been offered to an idol, you see, that person will then say, ah, I see, Christians can also worship idols. Oh, that's good. Oh, I see, I might become that sort of Christian then. 
And you don't want to be giving that impression. That's false teaching, isn't it? You're teaching the person in front of you that you can have, be, have idols and worship Jesus. But you could eat it if it were as long as you're not being told it's the case. And again, we'll talk on that another week. But in terms of going to the public setting and engaging in idol worship in public, you are not to do it. You're not to do it. That's going to affect you. It's a cost, you, cost of being a Christian. You can't do it. Now, some in Corinth were saying, oh, it doesn't matter. Of course I can do it. I'm free. I can do what I like. And they were failing to remember the weaker brother or sister who was being drawn back into idol worship because of their behavior. So that's the situation. He says, knowledge puffs up, you see. In Corinth, they were being puffed up. I can do this. I'm free. They were not open to correction. They were not open to teaching. They were not open to Paul's teaching. They were challenging this apostolic teaching. They were challenging, we could say, the word of God. People do challenge the word of God. Again, as I said earlier, we've got to live at peace with people. People can challenge the word of God. People all around us tell us the Bible is rubbish, it's nonsense, it's, it's bigoted, it's awful, it's junk, all the rest of it. They can, they can, they can have those opinions. And we are loving. But we as Christians, if you are a Christian, love the word of God. And it tells us certain things. And the, the Corinthians were not prepared to pay the price in their businesses and their work for Jesus. And it is costly, and it's becoming more and more costly, isn't it? Uh, for us to, to, to stand up for what we believe in. It's going to be even more costly, young people, uh, the youth work. It's going to be even more costly for your children. Maybe. Unless there's some great revival or Jesus comes again. It wouldn't, you know, it, doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me if it becomes illegal to talk about many of the subjects we've been talking about over the last few weeks. And I'm going to carry on talking. But it's e in some ways, it's easy for me. E maybe it's easier for me. But for you, you know, what, what, you know, you come to church, and what I'm talking about, you are, you know, you, you're joined with it, aren't you? And it's going to affect your, your colleagues, how they view you, and your bosses, and and you, you know, that that's a cost for you. Um. Why am I saying that? Because the Corinthians were not prepared to pay the price. Love, but, you know, puffs up. They, they were being puffed up. It says, as a, but rather, love builds up. And this word, this Greek word, oikodomio, which means to build, to build a house. To build a house. Love builds a house. Love builds the church. Love builds people up. Love doesn't tear down. Love doesn't Go to worship in idol temples, pulling people back into idol worship. Or, or, and obviously this is an exemplar of many other things we could say. Whatever behavior you want that pulls people into sin, we shouldn't do it. Or certainly we need to teach people and help people to understand. Otherwise we wouldn't do anything. I thought a lot, I thought a lot about this and it's, it's not easy to apply it but we must at least be teaching each other and helping each other to understand why we do the things we do. And it seems clear that in Corinth, they weren't. They were just assuming on each other. They were going to idol worship. They were being pulled into idolatry. 
So love builds up. And it says, whoever loves, in the thing we just read, whoever loves God is known by God. So what he's saying there, love it, love it. Not sacrificing doing things you like, like idol worship. Sacrificing things bring you uh, esteem and bring you success, maybe business success. Sacrificing those things for others is love for God. You're doing it for the love of God. You're doing it because you love him. We're prepared to suffer for God. This is true Christianity, friends. We're prepared to carry the cross. We're not, we're not just um, people who come to church and sing a few nice songs and make us feel good about ourselves and got a ticket for heaven. We're living for Jesus. We love God, which means we don't do certain things and we do do other things. And it says, whoever loves God is known by God. So in other words, those who love people they are true Christians. They are known by God. If you don't love people, you are not known by God. I know it's not perfect. He's not talking about perfection here. But if you don't care if you pull your brother and sister into idol worship or into some other practice which is harmful and sinful, are you a Christian? Positively. If you're not doing things which encourage your brothers and sisters, your words, your works, the way you live, if you're not trying to build people up, are you a Christian? Because Christians are builders. Love builds up. That's what we do. Imperfectly, I know. Secondly, love builds those who are vulnerable. We've seen that the vulnerable here were those who had just come out of idol worship and they're being pulled back into it. So it says here, so then, verse 5, about eating food sacrificed to idols. We know that an idol is nothing at all in this world and that there is one, no God but one. But even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us... For us, there is but one God. One God who is the Father from whom all things come and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still accustomed to idols, so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a god. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled, but food does not bring us near to God. We're no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. So Paul begins to correct their knowledge Paul's talking a lot about knowledge. And later on, he's going to talk about the spiritual gift of knowledge. The Corinthians were quite proud of their gift of knowledge. They thought they had superior knowledge given by the Holy Spirit, which meant they were okay going to worship in idol temples. They were saying, oh, 
our God. We worship the one God. We worship the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We worship the one God, the Creator. For, and if you read, and, and obviously they, many of them who had a Jewish back would have read the Old Testament. And they would have known about how idols were considered as nothing and how Isaiah talked about idols just being things that had been formed by man, carved out of wood. And that this idol, they make the idol for worship out of some of the wood and then they burn themselves and warm, burn the other and warm themselves on the other half. How silly, says Isaiah. And so they were taking this wrongly and saying, we've got this knowledge. There is one God. These idols aren't true. We can go and worship. We can go there and eat their meat. Ha <laughs> ha. We can eat their meat because we know it's not a true God. We can go there knowing that internally we are worshipping the true God. I'm free. It's okay, it's okay because this isn't real. It's not true. It's, no, it's nothing. It doesn't count for anything. But he's going to go on to say that their knowledge is wrong because there are many lords and many small g gods. What he means by that is correcting their knowledge because there are demonic powers behind false religion. He's going to go on to talk about it in chapter 10. Consider the people of Israel, he says. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? He says, do I mean that food sacrificed to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No, but... The sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. Do not be participants with demons. You cannot, and he goes on. So although in many senses this idol isn't anything, and they've got a misunderstanding, what they're failing to understand is that there is a demonic power and activity involved in this. There is power involved, dark power. And we mustn't play with darkness and sin and demonic powers. And he's correcting their knowledge. He says this amazing thing here. For us, there is one God. There is one God. Not many gods. Christians don't worship many gods. We worship, for us there is one God, the Father. This is our relationship to God. We've been loved and adopted by God. And we love the weaker members of the church because they're in the family of God. Just think about children for a minute, okay? Got a few in the room today, younger people as well, okay? I, get, I would guess that all of us as adults will endeavour to behave in such a way that we encourage them and not tear them down. Okay? I assume that's the case. Right? I assume when we see a child, we think... So, so I had one of the children come up to me earlier and says, I've got a new car seat! I could have said, so what? I mean, what's a car seat? It's just like, it's nothing, is it? And I'd have been right. It's a car seat. I said, what car seat? And you start making, you know, you want to encourage the person, right? The kid. And, and particularly in the area of the faith. You want to encourage children, don't you? In the faith. 
You don't want to talk, not, you know, talk in such a way that you tear their faith down or do things that make your faith look rubbish and useless. And it's just true not only for children, but come and bring it up to everybody else as well. How can we do things that encourage and how can we stop doing things that discourage? And he's talking about the Father here because we know the Father. That's why we do it like that. From whom all things came. So the Father is the creator of all things. For whom we live. This is the God. We live for him. We serve him. We, we, we serve him with all our heart. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ. And you can see what he's doing is there's a very much a symmetry here between the Father and Jesus. The symmetry, speaking of this, he's not talking about the Holy Spirit here, but obviously he's talking about the fact that Jesus is God, one equal with the Father. So he's now saying there is but one Lord. And the word Lord, what does that mean? Lord of our lives, over us. We serve him. So the Lord Jesus Christ, to whom all things came. Again, the Father created all things through the Son, Jesus Christ, through whom we live. And again, that's talking about Jesus' death on the cross for us so that we now live. We've been born again of the Holy Spirit. And it says, through whom we live. And, it, and, and, and intimated into that is the idea that Jesus died for them. And the reason why we love our brothers and sisters is because Jesus died for them. And it says it later, he says, we harm our brothers and sisters for whom he died. So we must do, do the same. So, as I'm saying, love builds those who are vulnerable. We build those who are vulnerable. In whatever background they're coming from, whatever vulnerability they've got here, it's idol worship, we are careful with people who are vulnerable in their faith. Young people, particularly those who are new to the faith, or those who are going through trouble and trial and difficulty, whose faith is wobbly, right? If you're going through suffering, it's like, it can be the case that your faith is, you know, Wobbly. So we've got to help them, build them up. So love builds the vulnerable. Finally, well, love is careful not to tear down. So positively, we build the vulnerable, but we're also careful not to tear down. Be careful, it says in verse 9, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone who is weak in conscience sees you with your knowledge. It's probably just worth just touching on that weak in conscience idea. Because we've got a certain view of conscience that may not align with this. Weak in conscience here means this. Weak in consciousness. It means like weak in identity. So weak in understanding. So I'm weak that there is one God alone. And I must worship him. They know that. They understand that. But when they go into a temple, if they get tempted into it, they start to go, hang on. I know there's one God, but you know what? Just in case, just, just, just to be sure that I'm safe, let me worship this God as well. You see, their consciousness, their strength of faith is not as strong as some. Their identity as a Christian their identity as a child of God is not as strong as some. They understand it, of course, but they're not as strong as others. We can all understand that, can't we? 
some people's faith is weaker. But that's what it means by weak in conscience, weak in understanding, wobbly, not as strong, weak in consciousness. So um, when someone who is weak in conscience or consciousness sees you with your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So they'll go back to idol worship. So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. So some in Corinth felt it was okay. I've said it already. To go into temples, to worship, to be seen in public doing so. And in so doing, they were drawing those weak brothers and sisters back into false worship. There's the stumbling block principle. The stumbling block principle is don't do things that are going to trip someone else up. Now, I'm not giving too many examples here because I have to, we have to be careful around this. Because again, churches fall into, it's not legalism as such, but they, they fall into making rules around all sorts of things. You can't drink. You can't watch television. You can't go on the internet. You can't do this. You can't do that because I don't want to be a stumbling block. No, no, no. You end up, if you, if you think it through, it's actually quite complex to think, how do I apply this? So what, what church has to do, like Paul is doing here, is this. If there are particular issues that are affecting the whole church, the elders of the church need to say, this issue is happening, please can you stop doing this for a period or forever, whatever. Okay? Or, and this is most of the time, isn't it, is that um, you as a Christian are praying, Holy Spirit, help me in this relationship not to be a stumbling block. Am I doing anything that's going to trip them up? The way I speak, the way I dress, the way I eat, the way I drink, the relationships, different things, what I watch, what I listen to. Holy Spirit, help me to be not a stumbling block. But the, positive, the other thing is to build up. Not just what shouldn't I do, but what should I do to help them to grow, to develop, to lead them closer to Jesus Christ. This is not easy but if we, if we love people, you know, it's like a, if we love people, then we will find our way. You'll find your way. I trust the Holy Spirit will give you, give you wisdom. But I believe God wants to build this church. And he builds it through you. Every one of you loving each other. The non-Christians who come to this church will find Jesus here because you love them. And build them up. And I love them and build them up, right? Weak Christians here will grow in their faith. And will be strong Christians and become leaders because you love them. Don't trip them up and build them up. Children in this church, youth in this church, will become adults, mature, strong. Again, leaders in church, outside of church, affecting society because you built them up. and Not trip them up. God wants to build this church. God wants more people to become Christians. God wants more people to grow in their faith and grow maturity. And he's going to do it through you, 
One relationship at a time, one conversation at a time, one interaction at a time. Every interaction you have with someone is an opportunity to build them up or to trip them up. Isn't it? Every conversation, you can draw them to truth and Christ and hope and love. Or you can go around the vortex of hate and division and talk about things that are not worth... You know, so, I don't mean anything. You know, just work it out. So finally then, the band's going to come up. Therefore... How can I build others up? How am I going to do this? This is the outcome, isn't it? Paul says this. Therefore, in light of the fact that Christians are builders, in light of the fact that love builds the vulnerable, in light of the fact that love does not tear people down, how am I going to build them up practically? Therefore, says Paul, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. So he's saying, I'm prepared to give up what I like for the edification of other people. If that's what it takes, not to be a stumbling block, but to build them up. Paul's using this example of, of you know, meat offered to idols, but we can apply this to lots of areas of life, different areas of our lives. And we're going to see as we come to the gifts of the Holy Spirit that every one of them is for building up the church. That's what they're for. That's what they're for. But please, friends, let me ask you the question. Not just are you prophesying in church, or are you bringing some sort of contribution in this church? Are you in your lifestyle, which is most of the time outside of this meeting? You, how long is this meeting and how much of the time of the week is this? It's not much, is it? So come on, if we, if we, if we really are concerned about edifying and building the church up, sometimes, of course I'm passionate about gifts of the Holy Spirit, but really, what about the rest of the time when we could be being hospitable? Being in people's lives, encouraging one another. What about the rest of the time? Are we truly loving the church? Or do you just want to prophesy? You just want to bring your gifts? Just bring, you know, tick the box. Yep, we've got gifts of the Holy Spirit here. God wants to build the church. That's the point. He wants to love, love his people and he wants to build them up. That's the point. Not just tick the box that we've got prophecy or something. He wants to build you up. And it's through you and me that it happens. I heard a story this morning. I was so encouraged. We've been down with my mother-in-law over the last few days whose father, uh, father, whose husband passed away recently. Helen's dad passed away. And in this church, just seeing the love in that church. And this morning I heard from... And there's no power down there over the last few days, so we've been trying to help, you know, get things going and stuff. But one of the members of the church took Helen's mum a flask of um, porridge this morning so she 
Because, you know, just a simple thing like that. Wow. What do you think God was thinking at that? Do you think he was happy? How much time does it take? Like, really, like, it's a bit of petrol, a bit of time to cook some porridge. It's not much, is it? Just think, just think how sh- the, Helen's mum would have felt. Just think if non-Christians all heard about that, what would they think? Like, they may not believe in Jesus, but I tell you what, if they hear about that, they think, that is amazing. That's quite something, because that is not, in, that's not normal. Church, let's not be normal. Let's not be normal. Can we love each other? Can we build each other up? Well, do it. Let's do it. I know I fail at it. I feel conviction of this. I know I don't love you as, as I should. I know that. Let's all keep pressing on as the Holy Spirit leads us. Do my actions promote trust in God or trust in false gods? Do my actions promote trust in physical strength and beauty or in God? Do my actions promote self-centeredness, narcissism and self-glorification or love? Does my life promote faith? Promote the faith of others? Does my life promote kindness? Do my words promote faith and truth? Do my relationships show the gospel of love, forgiveness, faithfulness, and sacrifice? As Christ's love builds us up, we learn to build others up. Holy Spirit, help us to do this. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Let's worship.